Well, hello, Light City. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I'm so grateful for all of your uh, giving us the time tonight to be able to talk a little bit uh, about the scriptures and about Jesus. And really what I'm going to try to do tonight, even though we are actually at the end of our Made Well series, it's only a Wednesday night. Um, what I'd like to do is uh, certainly give a shout out to that amazing series. If you haven't been able to join us with that series, I'm going to encourage you to go backwards and really uh, empower yourself to understand who, we, who you are, how God has made us, and the wonderful journey that God has invited us into as human beings on this planet. Um, I'm so grateful for, for Pastor Alex's message on Sunday when he uh, really set us all free to understand that if we'll just give God the seeds of our lives, uh, then God has the power. The earth bringeth forth fruit of itself. God has the ability to take us to where he wants us to get to. Uh, we don't really need to know how to do that. I'm sure uh, God does give us glimpses and we, he does ask us to show up with a little bit of uh, something, what we've learned so far in our lives. But uh, for the most part, we don't have to worry about the fact that uh, God has this enormous destiny for each one of us. And we could perhaps be sitting here at the end of our Made Well series and still not really feel like we know where we're going or what exactly God is asking us to do. We can, each one of us, just have confidence to lay our lives before the Lord, allow our lives to be laid down as a seed, knowing that God is going to get us where we need to go. He is going to bring the fruit out of our lives. He is going to cause us to get to our destinies. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for the teaching, really grateful for the series. But what I'd like to do tonight as, uh, you know, for the most part, when we're here on Wednesday nights, it's kind of uh, the people who probably are watching for the most part tonight are those people that are looking really for a deeper connection to Light City and really looking for uh, a bit of an understanding of where we are going when it comes to the month of June. Normally, we would start uh, the series on a Sunday, uh, but what I wanted to do was I want to be able to prep you all tonight to get a little bit of an understanding of what I really believe God is trying to accomplish with us uh, throughout the month of June. I mean, our Sundays are, you know, there's a lot more people that join us online. I think we had a few, a few more than about 5,000 people that were joining us online uh, this past Sunday. And so obviously a lot of people that I don't know, a lot of people that perhaps are just checking us out. They're just looking for an encouraging word from the Lord. They're just looking for a good community to be able to connect to on a Sunday morning. Um, but I really wanted to, uh, you know, as the saying goes, I really wanted to preach to the choir tonight. I wanted to give you a bit of an idea of what you can expect when, it, when we go through the series in June. Uh, the series in, is entitled, Till the Whole World Sees Jesus. Um, and I want to be able to prep you for that so that we can all get a good understanding of what's going to be coming down and uh, coming at us. Uh, one of the reasons for that is because I believe that uh, throughout this recent, uh, you know, it's not even really the recent crisis, but the recent crisis that was right before the present crisis uh, that we're dealing with, this coronavirus situation, has really caused people to come out of the patterns of their lives. You know, we're, we do the same thing every day. We go the same way. We do the same things. We're kind of what perhaps we would call it a rut or a pattern in our lives. Uh, and as human beings, we're very resistant to changing those patterns once they have been established. Um, but I believe the opportunity that is presenting itself to the kingdom and to each one of us is that people's patterns, people's, uh, you know, the, 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 the normal way their lives work has been very much disrupted. Um, and that's a great opportunity for the kingdom to be able to at least have a voice or give them uh, the opportunity to consider 
whether there would be a different way, whether they'd like to make some changes, whether there's some lifestyle uh, changes that they would like to be making, and then perhaps introduce Jesus and God and the kingdom as part of that decision-making process. And so that's really what is at the heart of this, uh, the June series, Till the Whole World Sees Jesus. Um, <clears throat> but I really want to be able to preface it because uh, even when we were working uh, as a leadership team, we were working on the title, and we do that a few months ago to kind of get ready with all of the stuff that goes out uh, as part of the process of doing the, the teaching for the month. Uh, I kind of thought that that was a little bit trite. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, the answer to the coronavirus and the answer is it's turned out in a more current, uh, current way, the answer to all of these, you know, unrest and all the stuff that's been going on over the last week or so, uh, you know, this, you know, we just need to see Jesus can perhaps sound a little bit trite. It can perhaps sound a little bit churchy. Uh, and certainly to people who are listening on, they're thinking like, man, we need some answers. We need some solutions. We need, you know, this, that, or the other. Uh, you know, what are we doing talking about we got to go see Jesus? And how is that possibly going to help us? How is po possibly going to give us what we need in a time like this that's so full of turmoil and, and uncertainty and perhaps there's some anxiety and some stress and there's, there's so many questions that are going unanswered. Perhaps even their conundrums because I'm not really sure uh, what the answer would be. I listen to people on one side of the argument and they sound like they know what they're talking about. And then I listen to people on the other side of the argument. They, list, they seem like they know what they're talking about too. And so I'm able to identify with the, with the positions of people and it makes it very complicated to be able to understand like what is, how do we move forward as the kingdom into this environment? And so what I'm going to try and share with you tonight is why is it that seeing Jesus is such an important component in our lives? And so before I do that, though, I'd like to do a quick test with you all. I, uh, I assume that you're all somewhat familiar with Light City Church. I'm hoping that, or maybe you're new to us tonight, but for the most part that most of you out there are fairly, fairly uh, familiar with us here. Um, and so I'd like to do a quick test with you, and I want you to answer this question. Uh, two questions, actually. First one, in order for things to get better, blank needs to do something. So fill in the blank there for me. Who is it that needs to do something? And then number, the second question is, in order for things to get better, blank needs to happen or blank needs to change. And so fill in, at least in your mind, you don't have to necessarily write it down somewhere, um, but as you fill in that blank, I want you to focus on exactly what, where have you placed your solution? Um, and if you answered something outside of yourself, then whatever they do or whatever gets done, can I tell you something, is only going to swing the pendulum in a different direction. And what it's going to do is it's going to create an equal and perhaps opposite problem. But swinging the pendulum into another direction always creates the, the same similar kind of a problem, but it just is a problem that's in a different sphere. And that is why no matter how hard uh, the, all the smart people in our world are trying to fix the different problems that they're facing, the problems just keep on coming. And so what we're going to try and talk about tonight is uh, we're going to try and discover why it is so important for us to see Jesus, to encounter him, to experience him, to know him. 
And what does it take for each one of us to come close, to see, close enough anyways to see Jesus? You see, you can't see Jesus from a long way off. I think that's what perhaps religion has always tried to do. It's always tried to see something from a long way off and make decisions based on that. Understand Jesus when we can only see him at 100 yards. I'm reminded of the story of Nicodemus in the Bible. He was a religious leader and he stood afar off. He really didn't want Jesus to be uh, of God. He didn't really want him to be a prophet or want him to be a man of God. Uh, but he watched from a, a distance and he saw things that were going on. But because he could see a little glimpse that's from a far way off, he needed to come close. He needed to come and meet Jesus. He needed to become and encounter him as a person. And so let's take a little bit of look, a, a look at what might have been happening if each one of us would have been alive back in the time that Jesus was here on this planet so that we can look at and consider, I wonder what was it about the person Jesus, about actually meeting him, that would have had such a profound effect upon the way the world operated ever since then. And so let's take a look, first of all, at our family history. Now, many of us, we're Christians now, so we've been grafted into our Jewish family so we can look backwards into the Old Testament. Um, but I, what I want to draw your attention to was that when we were given the Old Testament, that's the, you know, the writings of Moses and then all the different prophets and different people that were contributing to what we now assembled to be the Old Testament in our Bible, uh, we were given the truth. It was given to us as a standard, a, a plumb line, something by which we could judge right from wrong. Uh, the problem was that it became the perfect tool by which we can judge everyone else. Uh, you see, it was divine, and because it was divine, there was no argument onto, on what it says. There was no escape for, what, from, for anybody for what the principles that were given to us in those scriptures. Uh, the second point would be that it was perfectly right. And so there was no room for even the smallest margin of error which was kind of cool in those times because every person who was a scholar or person who knew what the word of God said, they were able to judge other people to the max because no matter how hard you tried to do everything correctly, there was always something or some interpretation or some small detail that people weren't able to measure up to. And then third thing, that it was the standard by which our lives were going to be assessed. That when we get to the place where we meet God face to face, he was going to use the standards of the word of God, the Old Testament. He was going to use those standards to assess how well we did when, we're here on our, when we were living through our lives. Um, and so if I was a caring person in that time, uh, my caring expression towards another person who I was seeing do things incorrectly, well, it was kind of my job to help them out and let them know that they were falling very short, that they were in uh, a desperate place at the time of assessment if you continue doing things as wrongly as you have been doing them so far. As a matter of fact, they... There's many accounts in the interactions between the religious leaders uh, that were there in Jesus' time and, and Jesus himself. And they were even critical of Jesus in the different things that he did. 
and whether he quite measured up to all the rules and measured up to all of the details that they were themselves aware of that came down through the Old Testament writings. Uh, and so what kind of happened was, you know, maybe if we look at the time now right before Jesus came, uh, it had created what's referred to as a theocratic tyranny. That means it was a tyranny, uh, but the tyranny was actually being created by people who were, uh, who got the rules and regulations from, as it were, from God. And so you could imagine how intense that was going to be in the lives of each of the people who were trying. They were Godward people. They loved God. They wanted to get as close to God as they could. Uh, but it seemed like the closer they get to God, the more they discovered how many rules they weren't following, how many of the standards they were actually falling short of. And certainly, a theocratic uh, tyranny is better than the other kinds of tyrannies, for sure. Uh, but the end result was kind of the same, that it ended, up, it ended up producing death in the heart and soul of the individuals first. They were unable to see how they could possibly ever measure up to this crazy standard uh, of rules and regulations and details and guidelines and all of these things that were being handed down to them at that time. It was like, man, they had just pretty much died on the inside because they were so aware themselves how they had not measured up, how they were not really getting uh, close enough to what that standard was. And as a matter of fact, the closer they got to God, the more they realized that they weren't measuring up. I think that was why Jesus, he was, you know, I, I think it, sometimes it's seen that Jesus was making fun of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, religious leaders of that time. But uh, I can promise you Jesus wasn't making fun of anybody. Uh, when he, in Matthew 23, refers to these religious leaders as whitewashed tombs filled with dead men's bones. Wow, that's kind of like, gosh, I hope Jesus never says that about me. Uh, but remember, he's not ridiculing people. He's not trying to diminish them. He's trying to get them to understand what the word of God and the truth now, that's kind of the hard part of this to understand, is that the truth that these guys were grabbing onto, they had dedicated their entire lives to following God, to studying the scripture so much that they had, you know, details that we've probably forgotten about how and the, the, how everything was supposed to be done uh, if it's being done in accordance with God's ways. And so what we realize now when we come up to the New Testament, we come up to the place where God has delivered to us through all of these men and the sacrifices of their lives as they have laid down the, the, the word of God in written form, we realize like what Paul says that that had produced death. And so when we are looking now in our culture, where I believe that there is an opportunity for the kingdom of God in the midst of what, is, what seems to be these catastrophic things going on around us all the time, that that is creating an opportunity for the kingdom of God to be able to step into people's lives and say, you know what, there is a better way than living with fear and anxiety. There's a, there's a better way than living with hopelessness. There's a better way than living in isolation. Uh, and the kingdom of God is going to help us to understand how that's going to work. And meeting Jesus 
is an essential part of understanding how the New Testament actually works and what is the mechanism by which it empowers me. Because so far, what I've understood is that the truth standing by itself, you know, God help me, the truth standing by itself is producing death. It's producing uh, a, a diminishing of the people who were trying their hardest to be able to follow it. So now if we flip into uh, the New Testament, now people get the opportunity to actually meet Jesus. And what they saw when they met Jesus was radically different than what they expected. I mean, if you remember, as many times in Scripture where Jesus is actually face-to-face with the religious leaders, those people that had gone to seminary, those people who had gone to school to learn all about the Bible. And if anybody knew what the Old Testament said, it was going to be these guys. But when they came face-to-face with Jesus, he didn't act like them. He didn't... He didn't say the things like them. They were kind of uh, confounded by the things that he had done. Matter of fact, they said that he was of the devil at one point in time, so confused by what, what they were seeing right in front of their eyes because he was so radically different than them that they said, well, if we're following God, then dude, you gotta be following the devil. What was it that they were seeing? What were they actually encountering? And can I tell you, what they encountered what they, when they saw Jesus, and really what we'd like to be able to unpack a little bit as we go into the, the series this month, is they encountered what grace was. And when they encountered what grace was, even though, remember now, Jesus, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, it tells us that when Jesus was here, the, the Word of God, now this is it's such a profound scripture. It says that the Word of God became flesh or took upon itself flesh and dwelt among us. Many of you are familiar with that scripture and you know that that's really talking about Jesus, that he was the incarnation of, of the word of God. So you have sort of like these these men who had studied the scriptures and they knew the intricate details of the scripture coming face to face with the incarnation of the scripture and these things were radically different. They were on they're almost polarized because they were so different. But remember that when Jesus was here, that scripture, I should say, verse 14 there, goes and finishes by saying that Jesus was full of grace and truth. And so the grace that they were meeting, when they encountered Jesus, the grace that they were meeting did not compromise the truth. But the truth became magnetic. That somehow... When this grace thing is mixed with the truth thing, it is now something that I used to want to move away from because it was so impossible for me to possibly fulfill all those rules. Instead of me wanting to move away from it, I now wanted to move towards it. It's no longer something that I needed to hide from in shame and guilt or in failure but something that I wanted to run towards with great anticipation. I wonder, then what was it 
that people encountered. And what was that thing? And when they encountered it, what did it do on the inside of them? You see, when they saw Jesus without judgment, so the truth came to them, but the truth did not judge them. It did not condemn them. It didn't have any guilt associated with it. You see, truth that looks forwards and not backwards, it becomes something that when I experience it, I want to grow in it. If the truth looking backwards says, I'm not good enough and I'm never going to measure up and I'm guilty and God's going to judge me, that has a force that I want to move away from. But when the force of truth is looking forward and it says, there is a possibility for me to get to my dreams. There's a possibility for me to become the person that I want to become. And the mechanism for doing that is something that is drawing me into it. Can I tell you something? It's the reason that Jesus saw people coming to him, especially, can I tell you, the children coming to him where they felt so loved and so embraced by Jesus, not, you know, sort of like pushed away because they were just children. Instead of that, they saw Jesus celebrating their purpose, celebrating their potential, not even concerned, not that he wasn't concerned with the, the, the shortfalls and the failures and the places where, you know, we weren't doing it right, but that he wasn't looking backwards when he did that, he was looking forwards and saying, there is a better way and I'm going to help you to walk in that better way. You see, somehow seeing Jesus gave them the ability to see themselves, to assess themselves, to judge themselves. Matter of fact, it created a place where they actually wanted to do that. You see, if you don't have the courage to see yourself, you don't have the courage to be able to actually look for the problem being on the inside rather than, or perhaps I, I'm so, it's so much easier for me to say the thing that needs to be fixed or the thing that needs to change is out there rather than the thing that needs to change is in here. Not that changing in here is going to change everything in the whole wide world, but my part is to do the things that Jesus is talking about so that my life can begin to become part of the solution. My life can be a, a, an example. My life can become a light. And remember the test that we did at the very beginning of the, tonight's service, where we were looking at what really needs to change as Christians when we see all the difficult situations, the confounding situations that are all, are all around us? What is it that we focus our attention on saying that that's what needs to change? Can I tell you something? When Jesus was here, there was just as many problems on the planet. There was just as many things that were going on. You know, the news, the news bulletins would have been just as crazy as they are today. Uh, but when Jesus was here, what he went around doing is he went around empowering people by grace first, then truth, to be able to enter into those scriptures, to begin to discover the truth for themselves. Jesus, it says in verse 14 there, that Jesus was full of grace and truth. We had had truth for quite some time. 
But it was the addition of the grace part that began to set the world free. You see, if you can see the grace, it will lead you into the truth. That's so interesting, isn't it? There's something about seeing Jesus and how the grace of God was so manifested through his life that it empowered people, just like you and I, to come close to God. And when we come close to God, something supernatural happens to us. And all of a sudden, the truth of God has the ability not just to get into our mind, but to get into our heart. That's so interesting. Can I tell you what I think it is? I think what Jesus created when he demonstrated his life towards the lives of other people, I'm going to talk about a few of them. We're kind of going to get into a whole bunch as we go through this month, but I'm just going to pitch a few of them across your bow in a moment to help you to perhaps grab onto this what does grace look like when it has been expressed through the life of Jesus? You know, we have so many definitions to what grace might mean, but I think it's so much more important that I experience grace than, than I can define it. I'm sure we can define it, and perhaps we'll do a bit of that this month, but I think it's so much more important that we experience what that must have been like for people to come and experience grace. Can I tell you what I, what the thought that came to me when I was preparing for tonight and as I was preparing to really to speak to you guys, uh, the term safe place was really dominant in my mind. That what grace does is that grace creates a safe place. What is a safe place? How do you define a safe place? A safe place is a place where uh, you can be totally accepted, right for where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's happened, no matter where you find yourself in your life, that if we would have gone to Jesus, then we would have found him to be completely accepting of who we are. I kind of think about his disciples, you know, we'll discuss one or two of them as we go forward tonight, but... You know, just gathering these guys, fishermen here and this, that, and the other. And, you know, not the great elite leaders of the day, but just regular people like you and I. And he was able to embrace these people. And no matter where he found them, no matter what issues were going on, I'm sure there were myriad of issues going on in their lives, that Jesus just embraced those guys and drew them close to himself. Can I tell you? If we don't have a safe place, what that does is it causes me to be unable to have the power to see myself. That all of my focus now, if I go into an environment where it's very unsafe and I feel very insecure and I feel very nervous and I'm a little anxious about all what's going on, the very last thing I'm going to want to do at that moment is look at, say, well, hey guys, can we talk about what I'm feeling on the inside? That's just never going to happen. Instead of that, we're going to go with all of the blame outwards, uh, you know, 
tactics like denying and deflecting and discounting and dividing and discrediting and destroying and diminishing. You know, I'll be really big at that because the very last thing that I want to have happen if I'm in an environment where I don't feel safe is all of a sudden to have my own self exposed. I'm really not looking to be introspective at that time. I'm mostly looking to kind of make sure that all the attention goes in the opposite direction. But you see, when you're in a safe place, I can see myself without feeling as though I am being diminished as I see myself. You see, Jesus expressed that acceptance and affirmation, and it opened the door for him to then express the truth. Like I'm thinking of the woman who was caught in, in, that, in that adulterous situation where he kind of said, you know, woman, where are your accusers? So he first expressed grace towards that woman. And then he said, okay, now you're forgiven. You can go free from that. There's no, there's no punishment here for you anymore. Uh, but go and sin no more. And so he was able to then take that grace-filled moment where he was interacting with that woman and deliver instruction to her, deliver the truth to her, deliver, uh, if you want to look at it this way, uh, his suggestion as to what she should do if she wants to not end up in this situation ever again. And you see, people entered that environment and it gave them the ability in that safe place with Jesus, it gave them the ability to take a breath and look at the decisions that I'm, who am I actually on the inside? And you see, Jesus was, it was a beautiful mix because he was not only the grace, but then he also had, uh, he was a safe place because of that. Uh, but then he had the answer. He actually had the resurrection power. He had the antidote. He had the answer that people needed to become the person that they really wanted to become. Jesus didn't force that on anybody, but you can see as, the, you know, as the, the history of the church since then, particularly that season of the early church where people's lives were just being radically transformed and they were being transformed because they were experiencing this environment of safety, this environment of grace where they were really able to look at themselves. And remember in John chapter 8, uh, it tells us that truth is the answer and that when we know the truth, when we can find the truth, when we can experience the truth in, in ourselves, that it's going to set us free. And I think that's kind of the answer that Jesus was bringing when he released to us an understanding by his own person an understanding of what it meant to experience the grace of God. Because truth, the, the truth that this truth, same truth, that had the power to set them free, we now have the ability to know that truth, which means to experience it in a way that we desire to receive it and bring it close to ourselves. I want to be transformed by that truth. But the way that I can see being transformed is, first of all, that I am entering into an environment where I think it's safe enough for me to begin to take a look at who I really am on the inside. You see, it's kind of cool that when Jesus was in, engaging with most of the people that he was interacting with, he wasn't really trying to fix them. You know, that can be a very negative feeling, you know, when somebody's interacting with you and, you know, they're just trying to fix you. 
He wasn't really trying to do that. He was wanting to partner with people, give them hope and courage to be able to, in their own selves, move towards their destiny, move towards the life that they wanted. Because he really believed that they could have that kind of life. Imagine what that would have felt like for somebody to be in this hopeless moment where they just, there's just no possible way I'm in this tragic place in my life. And I encounter Jesus in such a way that I can feel that he believes in my potential. He believes in who I am in spite of what he's seeing right now. He really believes in me. Can you feel how powerful that would be in somebody's life? How magnetic that would be as Jesus is going to show up tomorrow and he's going to teach us a little bit more truth. I'm saying, man, that's what I want. I was, I'm not afraid of the truth anymore because it's going to judge me. I am attracted to the truth because it's going to give me the power to have the life that I want. I now am looking forward. Crazy as this sounds, I'm looking forward to judging myself. I'm looking forward to having an assessment. I want to look inside now. I want to see like what could it be that's on the inside of me that's causing me to be hateful in this situation, to be jealous in that situation, to be afraid in this situation, and to be insecure in that situation. I can look on the inside. I actually want to. That's crazy. And so let's take a look. Like if we had to define even for right now in our lives, like what is a safe place? Can I tell you a safe place is a place where there's no discrimination, not based on who you are, where you've been, what you've done, who your ancestors are, how much money you have, how much money you don't have, none of those things, an environment that is blind to all of those things. It's an environment, and that's how Jesus is. Jesus doesn't care what color you are, how rich you are, or what side of the tracks you live on, doesn't matter to him. When you interact with Jesus, you know there's no criticism. That's no ridicule. There's no sarcasm. Even though Jesus was the smartest guy in the room, you know, he didn't lord that over people. He didn't make them feel inferior. And there's no harassment, you know. There's no punishment for people when they came and they admitted, okay, this is how I feel about this situation. I don't think it's maybe right, but this is how I really feel. This is what's really going on on the inside of me. Then there's, there's no punishment, no harassment. There's no, no exclusion. So that people are able to feel as though they can contribute, that they can share their perspective without feeling like they're going to be punished because of it. You see, unsafe places cause us to direct our attention outwardly. When the New Testament is really a place where we are being called to direct our attention inwardly. And Jesus, you can sort of see that as I'm sharing with you tonight. You know, if we would have been those people, those, you know, it says, blessed is he, of course, who's doesn't see and yet (laughs) believes. Yeah, but I would have loved to be one of those people that actually got to meet Jesus in the flesh, walk a couple of days with him and experience what this must have been like. Can I tell you, I think Jesus was the ultimate safe place. Grace was who he was. He wasn't being graceful. He was actually grace. 
And so when we look around in our corona years, you know, in our unrest season that we're in right now, and we're looking and saying, what could possibly be the answer to the, this crazy questions that are out there right now? Can I tell you that crazy answer is, we just all need to look inside. Each one of us owning the fact that there is stuff on the inside that I need to take a look at. And, you know, Jesus is a safe place. I hope you can meet him this month as we open up a few of the Bible accounts, as we look at his words, how he handled different situations, his actions. I'm, I'm going to ask you to decide for yourself. Is Jesus a safe place? Are you willing to get close enough to really see him? Maybe you have some ideas about the way Jesus was and the way he would handle you if he met you. But you can find yourself. I've often found myself in the different people, the characters that are in the New Testament. And I'm surprised sometimes that Jesus wasn't a little bit more like me. Like, you know. But I'm surprised continually. I spend a lot of times reading, reading the Gospels, as many of you know. And I'm often surprised about how Jesus actually responded to different situations. But can I give you a, a hint? The victory in your life can't even begin until we come close enough to Jesus and we are really willing to see him, to see what he's like, and to encounter, experience him. You know, my, my warning to us all as we're going through this season right now is that we are becoming a safe distance culture. And as a matter of fact, uh, everybody else in our world right now is not safe. You know, it's never been like this before. There was always a place. I was raised, as many of you know, raised in Africa. And, you know, there was different zones and proximities so that there would be your family, very safe with your family. And then there was your greater family. And that was really safe too. Maybe not quite as safe as... And then there were slowly diminishing safeties. You know, I, I'm not quite as safe if I'm way over here as if I'm over here. But, you know, we're living in a world right now where, gosh, it's, it seems like everybody's telling us that it's not safe to be with anybody. It's not safe to be anywhere. And if we move out of this very tight proximity that we are in, where it's just really me and a few people, you know, huddled together, if we had tried to venture out in that, then that's not going to be safe. We can get ourselves hurt. And you know, our past experiences, they can dictate who and what the boundaries are for what I consider to be a safe place or a safe person. But technology has given us the ability to understand that nothing and nowhere and no one is actually safe. And you know what happens when we close our hearts? Uh, they close. And that means that if I'm used to engaging in my, in, in my environment by saying there's nobody that's safe, there's nobody that I can actually open up to, there's nobody that I can be vulnerable with, there's nobody that I can be real with, because our culture is slowly causing these current events, particularly causing us to isolate ourselves. Can I tell you that Jesus stands apart from all of that?
And that's what we're hoping to discover as we get into this, uh, you know, until the whole world sees Jesus subject over the next month. And I'm going to encourage you to begin to allow, first of all, Jesus to become your safe place. But also that as we step forward into what's happening and as we're engaging with the different people that are in our lives, that we're able to say that if we, if we cause people to connect to Jesus, that Jesus will be each one of our safe places. That he is ultimately affirming and he's ultimately accepting. That his motive is pure. That his purpose is not serving his own agenda. You know, I'm often seeing that when I'm with, looking at Jesus in the scriptures, that, you know, he, even when he was here, he was not marketing. He was not spreading the word, you know, do a miracle, but don't tell anybody that this happened. You know, he was not creating a movement. He would tell people like, don't go tell anybody what just happened. It's going to get crazy around here with people if you keep telling everybody. He wasn't building any buildings. He wasn't making manuals. He wasn't setting a movement in place. He wasn't doing any of that. What he was doing was he was trying to empower each one of us. He so believed in the potential of each one of our lives that we have, should have no trouble understanding that when we get close to him, that his motives towards us are completely pure. And then the final one about a safe environment is that it's a place of honesty. You know, Jesus can only tell us the truth. I'd be gentle for sure. He'll be kind as he does so. But we can be certain that when we get into this environment, that Jesus is going to be very interested in discussing the truth with us to help us to understand what's the right answer in this environment so that we can embrace the concept and embrace the answer. You know, I've just a few of the people that I promised to talk about earlier. You know, and I think about Matthew. You know, Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. And, you know, he's a tax collector. And in those days, tax collectors were not very popular people at all. He was kind of like, a, you know, a, a plague unto himself. Nobody wanted to be involved with him. You may be familiar with the, the name Matthew. He ended up becoming a disciple of Jesus. He ended up being one of the two disciples that actually wrote Gospels to give us an eyewitness account of what it was like to be with Jesus. And so we can see that, wow, Jesus must have really expressed grace and acceptance and affirmation to Matthew in the midst of perhaps this very difficult job that he had as being a tax collector. Then we could take a look at those lepers. Again, Jesus interacted with a number of different people. This is a fatal and communicable disease. And what does Jesus do? Jesus goes towards this person, these people, and he touches them. Thinking about, wow, that would have been how much grace was being expressed there in that moment. The rich young ruler I'm thinking about as well, that, you know, he was the elite. He was the privileged. And Jesus connected with that man and listened to him and answered his questions. He was very honest with the man and very insightful for him, maybe more even than he wanted to hear at that moment. But 
Jesus didn't turn him away. He didn't shun him or, you know, try to exercise superiority over him. I remember Nicodemus, you know, we talked about him earlier, a religious leader. When Jesus embraced him and that person was coming towards him and really wanting to get closer to God and getting closer to Jesus. And Jesus spent a whole chapter almost of the Bible talking to this fella about how uh, what understanding Jesus felt he would need in order for him to get what he was asking for. And then finally, you know, this beautiful picture of the woman uh, caught in adultery and Jesus' grace, amazing grace being expressed towards that person as he accepted her, embraced her, forgave her, and then instructed her on a way to do things a little bit better. How amazing it must have been for people to come into the presence of Jesus and encounter him. You know, there was this game I used to, I don't think I ever really played it that well, but it was a game that says, where's Waldo? Remember that game? Kind of struck me when I was putting these notes together. And I, I have in my notes here, you know, so for us nowadays, where's Jesus? How do we encounter him? Maybe if we don't know him, maybe you're here today, don't know him, or maybe you've been in church all your life and you've never really encountered the grace of God expressed towards you as an individual in such a way that says, you know what, God, I just want to bear my soul to you. I just want you to show me what is on the inside of me that is holding me back from my destiny, that's preventing me from being the light in the world around me that I'm desiring to be. Well, can I give you some encouragement as we prepare for the teachings that are going to go forth over the next month? I'm going to encourage you to spend a little bit of time in the Gospels, you know, there's two of those guys, Matthew and John, who were actually disciples of Jesus. They walked with him for the season of his ministry. They encountered him every day. They lived with him, essentially. And then we have two other people who wrote the Gospels, one of them being Mark and one of them being Luke. And Mark was a disciple of the apostle Peter. And so it's very much thought of that the way Mark wrote his gospel was because he was given it by Peter, dictated by Peter, and Mark actually wrote it down. And so then you see that the gospel of Mark is a first-hand account. It's not first-hand, second-hand account, but it's come from one of the people who was the, the closest to Jesus. It's always funny for me when I read the book of Mark that Peter was so honest uh, with us about some of the stuff that maybe didn't go so well in Peter's life when he was inter interacting with Jesus. And then the, the final guy, Luke. Luke uh, was, uh, you know, further later in time when he really felt like God was impressing him to uh, begin to gather all the information that he could, talking with different people that had encountered Jesus when he was here on this planet. And he determined that he was going to get a sort of like a, a chronological account so that it was very, he was getting as much information as he could from people who had actually encountered Jesus themselves. And so how beautiful that is for each one of us as we get to now go and read those accounts. They're not really manuals. They're not really academic books. They're accounts. They're observations of Jesus when he was doing and living and interacting and he was meeting people of all kinds of different places in life. 
And we're able to see in those moments how amazingly safe Jesus was as he interacted with those people. That, and, and how that is the exact opposite to when people would have encountered the religious leaders of the day. And what happened when that happened in people's lives, that they were able to engage in this beautiful observation of who they were themselves on the inside. That they were able to look at the things that Jesus said and just take a moment without feeling bad, without feeling condemned, without feeling guilty, without feeling like God was mad at them or God was going to cast them into hell or something like that. And that made them afraid to look at who they were on the inside. And instead of that, they had the courage to be able to own, who am I today? What is the stuff that's going on on the inside of me? Am I afraid? Am I insecure? Am I hopeless? Am I jealous? Am I envious? Am I... Who exactly am I on the inside? Can I tell you, it is in that moment when you really see Jesus that this enormous potential of transformation that is being offered to us by the truth of God delivered into our lives that gives us the potential to live the lives we've always desired to live. To understand all of what goes on around us and all the difficulty and all the problems are all being created because we need to look on the inside as individuals, all of us as individuals and step into the place where we each have the power to take hold of our own lives, take hold of our own destinies, partner with Jesus and see them completed. Can I encourage you, each of you, that over the next few Sundays, you know, there's such a beautiful opportunity for us to be able to send these links for the services and the YouTube links or the, or the website links out to our family and friends as we begin to unpack this beautiful Jesus so that people who maybe have never met him or people that think they met him, but they didn't, or people that are mad at him, people who have, are fed up with him, people who have given up on him, there's all of those people, all of those categories are in our lives, in our families, with our friends and with our workers, you know, people we work with. And there's all of those people that are around us all the time. Can I encourage you to be bold and shoot those links out to your friends that they can join with us as we share around these things, that the words that are going to be going forth through these broadcasts will have the power to step into, the, into each one of their lives in such a way that they can experience the grace. That they maybe have been, they're de-churched or anti-churched or even unchurched. And in those places can find their way back to this beautiful place of grace where they know that God loves them, that God wants to encounter them, that God wants to live with them, God wants to help them. God wants to be that partner that gets us from wherever we are
to where he desires us to be. Where we get to have the life that God had intended us to have from the very beginning. God bless you all. I trust I'll see you all and all of your friends as we step into this series in June until the whole world sees Jesus. Love you all. Can't wait to see you all very soon. God bless you.